really is good to have uh, CJ Lisa back in the house, isn't it? Amen. Praise the Lord. Please pray with me. Father God, we thank you so much for your, your goodness. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for uh, your grace. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for your unfailing love. Father, you know everything there is about us to know. You know our faults. Uh, you know our mistakes. You know our shortcomings. And yet, it doesn't weaken your love for us at all, Lord. And, 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 and Father, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for your love and giving your son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for our sins, that we might be reconciled with you. So, Father, we rejoice in the Lord this morning, and we thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Pardon me. I'm going to be clearing my throat a lot, unfortunately. Hallelujah. How y'all doing? I'm going to start with a couple of familiar passages before uh, the main uh, message is going to be out of Mark chapter 5. But I, I want to start with uh, scriptures I feel are an appropriate prelude uh, to what I'm going to be talking about today. And Luke 4. Verses 18 and 19 state this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Say liberty to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind to set... Oh, sorry that's it to set at liberty say liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the lord's favor romans 2 4 thank you i'm sorry this is not coffee oh all right thanks Romans 2, 4 says, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God, say goodness of God, leads you to repentance. So, the spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus, and what I'm going to emphasize today in the anointing that that represented was in his ability to proclaim liberty to the captive, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And that it is the goodness of God that leads you, us, to repentance. Mark chapter 5, in the first verse, many of you are familiar with this story and the story that preceded it. You know, we're following a very familiar story where 
Jesus told his disciples, hey, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, right? Y'all with me? And they embarked upon that journey to go to the other side. But something happened in the middle of that journey. What was it? A storm. And I didn't even really plan this. I mean, I'm not doing this because I am or anything like that. But but a storm erupted. So severe that those experienced fishermen feared for their lives. And I'm not going to, that's not the main story I want to talk about today. But but, uh, Jesus was sleeping on the boat while the storm was going on. He wasn't worried at all. They came to him and asked the Lord of glory, do you even care? about us do you even care that we're about to perish you're sleeping why are you not on the job save us and jesus chastised them about their faith and what did he do he spoke to the storm said peace be still be quiet cease your operations and the storm obeyed so they marveled at his authority over the elements his authority over the weather. That's not something man is supposed to have. But here is this man, Jesus, that even the winds and the storms obey his command. What a powerful name it is. Amen? Guess what? I'm going to, spoiler alert, they got to the other side. Sorry. And it brings us to verse 1 where it reads, they came to the other side, told you, of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. Now, I want to stop there for a moment and just say, they're not in a city that is filled with the people of God. This is not Jerusalem, all right, this is not Judea. All right, he's in a region now. When they crossed over to the Sea of Galilee, they're in a region now that is Roman controlled. They're in a region now that is has heavy Greek influence. It's it's one of uh, 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 Gerasa is one of the ten cities that make up the Decapolis. All right, so he's not entering into an area of people who are looking for a Messiah. He's not in an area of people who know God. As a matter of fact, they have their own Greek or or pagan gods. Okay, so just giving you a little bit of background, we're not, he's not in, he didn't go across the sea, all right, to reveal the uh, truth of the word of God to the people of God. All right, he's speaking, he's encountering someone who has no idea who he is and what he represents. And what happens as soon as he gets onto the, crosses the sea and gets onto the uh, other side of the sea, onto the bank? It says in verse 2, and when Jesus has stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. This man lived among the tombs, 
and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one has strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs, on the mountains, a night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. I just want to stop there for a moment because in the anticipation of Jesus performing miracle after miracle after miracle, it's, it's sometimes, it's real subtle, sometimes we forget, you know, we are over the miracles, all right? But we sometimes forget that it's not really about the miracles, it's about a life, okay? And so Jesus, crossing the Sea of Galilee, encounters a man that comes charging after him. Now, I don't know about you, we're an open carry state, right? <laughs> You got to be careful who you charge up on in certain states. But if you're just looking at it in the natural, you know, I'm sure the disciples probably are shrinking back. They don't know what to make of this. But this man is dwelling in the tombs. Imagine this. I want you to think about this. This man. Society has no clue what to do with him. The people of the city, I'm sure they filed all kinds of complaints with the authorities. Societal leaders did everything that they could to address the issue. And the only thing they were able to do was try and confine him. They chain him. They shackle him. But the Bible says this man was so strong, supernaturally strong, that he would break the shackles in pieces and, and, and go just and go incredible hulk on the chains and just flex out of them. I don't know about you, but that's pretty intimidating. That's pretty scary stuff. I don't want to encounter a dude like that. that. That's not the kind of guy I'm praying for God to cross paths for my path to cross with. You know, give me somebody with a headache. Give me somebody that needs a couple of bucks to pay a bill or something. I mean, I... This kind of stuff, I'm not sure. This, this, this guy is, he's got issues. Who in their right mind chooses to, willingly, not forced to, but made the choice to dwell among the tombs, to dwell among the dead? Think about that. He's at the cemetery. 
Every time society, every time he's around society, he causes so much destruction. He's so destructive that society doesn't know what to do with him. They just try to shackle him and confine him. And that's not good enough. And so his choice was to say, you know what? I'm just going to isolate myself. I don't know what to do. I'm out of control. I don't have control over my body. I don't have control over my mind. I, I, I don't know which way is up, which way is down. I, I, I don't know anything about life right now. I feel dead on the inside. So I might as well dwell among the dead. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. You know, have you ever been numb? You have emotions and feelings and things going on inside of you that, 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 that you can't even describe, much less understand. Going through a traumatic time in your life and you're just numb. You're numb emotionally. You're numb mentally. The disciples had no idea that Jesus had a purpose for going on to the other side. This poor man, ostracized, rejected by society, he's out of place and doesn't belong because he's got a storm going on that nobody knows how to deal with. We're all familiar with the storm that Jesus quieted on, in the boat on the way over there. But how many of you know that nature doesn't have to be the reason for a storm? Life brings its own storms. The cares of life, the dramas that we encounter. And like Pastor CJ said, we can look on the surface of things and we can look at people's actions and, and, and go quickly into judgment mode. And Jesus could have done that. And don't get me wrong, calling sin, sin is not judging. It's speaking the truth. All right? But when we get into, oh, such and such deserves this or such and such deserves that, you know, then, then, then what we've done is we've tried to bump God out the throne and, 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 and sit our butts in it ourselves. And that's not what he's called us to do. All right? He's called us, hallelujah, he's called us to love people. He's called us to reach people with the gospel. He's called us to make disciples for him, right? He's called us to get into the muck and the mire of people's lives, to get into the ugliness, to be a vessel for him so that he can breathe life where there is death. Where he can bring hope where there is no hope, right? So we have this poor man Dwelling in the tombs. And the Bible says 
Now, I like to combine both the version of it in Luke and in Mark, but the Bible says that he cried night and day. Every day, he cried all day. I try to imagine in my mind what those cries must have sounded like. Shrieks. I mean, the pain and agony that's going through this man. Can you imagine how that expressed itself through his vocal cords? And it said that he was cutting himself with stones. I'm not here to be a downer. I promise you it'll get better. Uh, or it'll get happier. Spoiler alert. He's not going to stay that way. But but I like to park there. I like to emphasize these things because, you know, so many times I've prayed, Lord, I want to lay hands on the sick. That I, 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 want, I want to be able to do what Jesus did, miracles. And, and that's not a bad thing, okay? It's not a bad thing. We ought to want those things. But, and I can just speak for myself, sometimes I was so focused on wanting those things that, that I forget the simplicity of the matter that we're dealing with. People. We're dealing with lives. We're dealing with issues. And so whatever it is that is needed in order to reach that person's heart and, and, and to bring life to them, there is provision for that. So I don't have to necessarily emphasize or focus on one thing. I can just say, Lord, I want to change lives. Lord, I want to impact lives. Lord, I want to uh, I, I want to bring those who are dwelling in darkness into your marvelous light. And, 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 and we can just ask God to give us what we need, equip us with what we need in order to do that. You know, Jesus did a lot of miracles. But at the heart of almost every one of them, it was restoring a life. And that's really what he was about. And so we have Jesus So we have Jesus. Let's get back to Mark. Coming to this region of the Gerasenes, and he encounters this man. Says in verse 6, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Now I'm looking at that, even though verse 7 happens before verse 8, it tells me the man said what he said for or because Jesus said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So Jesus came onto the scene, saw the man, immediately knew what the problem was, and commanded the devil to come out of that man. Now, it says the man said, what have I to do with you, Jesus? But it wasn't the man speaking, was it? <laughs> 
It was the evil, unclean spirits that had control of him and did not want to relinquish that control. And so as a defense mechanism, they're speaking through the host. And if you didn't know any better, you would think that the man was begging Jesus not to slay him. That's what it looks like on the outside, on the surface, doesn't it? But Jesus has said, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, now, say Jesus is Lord. The enemy might protest. The enemy may try to weasel his way out. But at the end of the day, the enemy is already lost. Right? Like the song said, devil wave your white flag. The war is over. The devil can bleg and plead. The devil can stand up and beat on his chest with bravado to make it seem like he has power that he does not have. Because when Jesus came on the scene, the God that society has spent who knows how long trying to deal with, trying to get him to to fit into society, trying to make him someone who could contribute effectively in society, trying to make him whole, They could not do anything with this man. And all Jesus did was come on the scene and say, let him go. Get out of him. And next thing you know, the devil is begging. Okay, we know we got to go. We got to go. Please don't send us out of the country, though. Just just send us into the herd of pigs over there. We'll, we'll, We'll go there. But just don't send us out of the country. So Jesus permitted them to go into the pigs, and y'all know what happened. The 2,000 pigs. Now imagine that. They said they are legion, which is a military term, which could be, man, uh, Anywhere from a few thousand to six thousand. This man had enough spirits on the inside of him to possess a herd of two thousand swine. I don't know the number, but it it was greater than one. Imagine that. And as soon as they entered those pigs, the, the, the destructive nature of those spirits was such that the, the, the pigs just went wild and raged down into the water and drowned themselves. The enemy comes but for to kill, steal, and destroy. So Jesus met a man who was alone, isolated, crying out. And I would like to think that that man spent every moment (laughs) 
wanting to be free. Regretting whatever choices he made. Because those spirits weren't in him by accident. He made choices. All right? Let's just get real. He made choices. One could say he brought it on himself. He deserved what he got. One could say that, but we couldn't say that and be representing the heart of Jesus. Jesus didn't come over there and wagging his finger and chastise him, didn't ask him what he did. He didn't go over there and try to shame him or guilt him. He went there to set him free. It doesn't say the man's name. Doesn't really matter. It could be any name. Doesn't say which city he's from. Doesn't matter. It could be any city. Does not give any indication that he was a uh, of Jewish heritage, which speaks to me because Jesus mostly ministered to the Jews. And in the midst of that, he takes a detour over to the Gentiles just to let them know God loves you too. What I'm about to do, that applies to you too. They are my peculiar people, but you Gentiles are special to me too. And I will cross the sea. I will conquer storms. I will go anywhere I need to go. Meet you anywhere I need to meet you. in order to embrace you with my love. And offer you my salvation. I'm I'm getting ready to wind down. Uh, Go to verse 14. Verse 14, the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they rejoiced. No. Hmm. They prayed. No. They were they were afraid. So you never know how people will react to a miracle, do you? They were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them 
what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus, stay with us for a while. Preach the words of life to us. We want to know you. Is that is that what it says? Well. And they beg, began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him. The only one of them, the one who was set free, begged him that he might be with him. If you give people a real encounter with Jesus, you won't have to beg them to come to church. You, you won't have to beg them to, 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 uh, to give ear to the word of God. You, you know, you won't have to, you won't have to encourage them to pray because a real encounter with the Lord just transforms you on the inside. It, 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 it <laughs> when you're introduced to his presence in that way, you, 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 you gotta have more, you know, uh, uh, that, that first sample just will not do. I got to have more. I want to encounter him more. I want to be in his presence again. I want more of that. I'll, I'll give up whatever I have to give up for that. Praise God. I tell you what, God has anointed each and every one of us. He's called each and every one of us to go into the storms of people's lives. And in the name of Jesus, bring peace. To go into the tombs of people's lives and in the name of Jesus, speak life. To go amongst the lies of the devil and speak truth. To go amongst those who are bound and shackled by the enemy and bring the liberty of Jesus. Amen? To bring freedom to the oppressed. Now, I tell you, I mean, we can talk about our outreach strategies and all this other stuff and how we can speak to people in today's language. I'll tell you what, all you need is Jesus. You give them Jesus, and that, everything else will take care of itself. Amen? Verse 19, and he did not, but Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends. A uh, couple of translations say family. So uh, I'm going to say, go home to your family and friends. And tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis. Remember at the beginning I said that's where that the region that he was in. In the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled.
This man's life was instantly changed. In a way, it's difficult to really describe. It, 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 his life was transformed via an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. This man was a captive. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know the word of God. Didn't live among people who knew him, or who knew the word of God. Didn't know how to pray. He'd been exposed to all kinds of pagan gods, which probably contributed to his situation in the first place. So we can't really say that he had a whole lot to do with what Je with, with Jesus ending up there. Right? He didn't even know what to do. But he didn't have to, did he? Jesus came to him. He crossed the sea, went to the tombs to set him free for no other reason than that he loved him and that he needed to be set free. That's the heart of the God that we serve. Amen? That's the heart of the Jesus whose disciples we are. That is the example that we are called to follow. That we can look at the sinner and see the need, see the cry of the heart. As bad as this man was, as troubled as he was, as much pain and destruction as he caused, it tells us he was crying day and night in the tombs and in the mountains. That's the side that most people don't get to see. Oh, you can see what gets someone in trouble with the law. You can see the aftermath of someone making bad decisions and their family paying the price for it. You can see a lot of those things. But as bad as someone is, as bad as what they have done may be, they are still a, they are still a child loved by God. And what they really need is to be set free. What they really need is for the storm to be quieted. What they really need is to know that despite how royally they've screwed up, that there's still a chance, that there's still hope, that God is still in their corner, that God's arms are still spread open wide, ready to embrace them. What they really need is to know that it's not their performance, but it is the goodness of God that will lead us to repentance. I'm going to ask you to stand.
Let me ask you to just close your eyes. I don't know everyone here today, and, and I don't need to know everyone here today, but God knows every one of you. And there may be some here today who in some ways can relate. You may not be demon-possessed. I hope not. But you don't have to be demon-possessed to be in the middle of a raging storm in your life. And maybe you're in the midst of one right now. Maybe you needed to hear this today because you have been so beaten down you begin to lose hope. Peace had become a distant memory that of a time long ago. I just want to encourage you <laughs> that through Jesus, freedom reigns. I just want to encourage you that Jesus is here And he is saying right now in this, in the heavenlies, he is saying right now to the storm in your life, peace be still. Some of you are in the middle of a storm because of your own choices. And you've beat yourself up. Uh, you're probably not physically cutting yourself with stones, but, boy, words sure can cut just as sharply, can't they? Words can cut deeply. Words can cut deeper than stone can. You're cutting yourself. You're not speaking words of life over yourself. You're, you're speaking words of death. You're speaking words of defeat. You're speaking words of hopelessness. You're speaking like a bondman, like a bondservant, like a slave when you are free in Christ. I'm going to challenge you today to stop believing the lies of the devil. Stop believing your feelings and emotions. Stop believing the nonsense. Anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, come against it and pull it down. And embrace what God says about you. Um, I'm going to rein it in here a little bit, but I just want you to know That God loves you. That even if you're in a storm of your own making, he'll jump in that storm with you and he'll be your rock. He'll be your anchor. He'll be your steadying force. 
then he'll be the one that ends the storm in your life and brings you peace and liberty. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up your precious people. Father, those who may be in the middle of a storm in their lives, Father God, I just pray, Lord, that the word that was shared today, the word that was just shared, Father, has been an encouragement to them. That they know that you're not condemning them. That you're not the reason they're going through what they're going through. You're not distant. All along, you've been coming. It took some work for you to get there, but you're there. You've crossed the sea, you're there. I pray that they realize that you're here now. Hallelujah. If you, I'm going to invite you because I don't want to, I don't want to take this for granted. If you're here today and you needed this, okay, you needed this and you need someone to talk to and you need some, some personal one-on-one ministry and so forth, we have, I, I want you to come on up. Um, uh, whether it's you And if you have someone that you really care about, that you know is going through a storm in life and 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 and, and you want someone to join you in lifting them up and and uh, uh, and encouraging them, then uh, please come up as well. Um, I'll just I'll give that gentle invitation and I'll just let it speak to you and let you respond to it. As you will. Father God, we just thank you and give you praise, Lord. Amen.